The Rigger Gambling Feed is back every Monday. Join myself, Joe House, Raheem Palmer, and John Dushepsky for East Coast Bias. Sunday's action recap and our favorite bets for Monday Night Football. Then on Tuesday, we got the Roster Diamond Show where I'll break down everything you need to know in the betting world. Plus, the East Coast Bias Boys will be back on Thursday to help you get your betting card sorted ahead of all the NFL action. And then on Fridays, it's me back with Warren Sharp, deep diving into the analytics. So be sure to subscribe on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Welcome to the Ringer Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz, and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Horlbeck. Sunday of week six is done. We'll get to a waiver show, ad drops for Monday. Um, an incredible New York sports event has just wrapped. The New York Liberty have forced uh, a game five of the WNBA Finals. Uh, I, I think that was the most notable New York. Uh, also, the ALCS. Um, I mean, our oldest Chapman facing the Astros again. I don't know. Uh, DK, what, what did you think of um, the sports today? The sports? Uh, I would say the football is what I was watching, and it wasn't very good. Craig, what did you think of the football today? Heifetz, I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to make it back on the pod. You were playing left tackle tonight for the Giants, weren't you? That was you out there? <laughs> Off the couch? I got to tell you, I will say, I feel really rindic. I feel like we actually had one of the harshest. I feel like all our arguments... The harshest arguments we have are actually not about football. I feel like last week we had the harshest argument we had about football when DK said Daniel Jones sucks. And I said, it's because our offensive line's the worst in the league. And I actually feel vindicated because the starting left tackle got hurt and replaced by a guy who was unemployed a week ago and we were like 10 times better. But I, I, the was that the only difference? I, I Well, the uniforms, Tyra Taylor, there's so many things to talk about this game, but the only thing that matters I don't know what to say other than the first half was a disaster. Obviously, like the well, I mean, it was incredible for like they, uh, this is so obviously me live processing it. But obviously, it was the Giants played really well, and then that last play they ran, guys. I was I am so emotionally devastated that they actually just did it again at the end of the other half. It was literally <laughs> the last in the world I was expecting was having to deal with that again. I barely got over it the first time. So to be clear, the, at the end of the first half, they had uh, like there was 12 or 13 seconds left to go. And they Tyra Taylor checked to a run play. They couldn't get the play on like the, on the, on the one. Right. It, could, it gets stuff. They didn't have any timeouts left, so they couldn't get the ball back and snap it again. 
time run out. They didn't get three. They didn't get seven. They got zero. Brian Dayball was absolutely livid. Sounds like Tyra Taylor checked to a play, although we don't know for sure, but it sounds like he checked to a run no, play. Which that's definitely what happened. He was screaming at Tyrod. <laughs> he he scre- screamed at one of the other coaches, and the coach was like, I didn't do that. No, no, no. This, this is, this is <laughs> Brian really Dable's funny. fault. Like this is it's not Tyra Taylor's fault. Like it really isn't. I, in my Why opinion. are there like, two plays in even on the table? But be, there? Well, that's what. So first of all, it's worth winding back. This is like what happens on. I mean, I think the majority or a lot of NFL plays is like they actually call two plays in the huddle and the quarterback. You know, if, if they don't like the if the defensive alignment won't work for the pass play, they often have a run play check that will work based on where a specific guy is standing. If a, if they're saying. Hey, Ty, if basically what we're going to say is it's Tyrod Taylor's fault for not checking the coach. And mind you, Dable does not necessarily call the offensive plays. Mike Kafka is our offensive coordinator. They need to be there saying, hey, right. we can't Don't take, check to like, a run. <laughs> like, yeah, they like they called the play. Like, that's the key thing there is if Tyrod Taylor checked to a run. Like he didn't do it just tapping your head. That's not a play. He didn't yell anything. He tapped to his head. That means kill, kill, kill. Like when they yell kill, 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 that's kill the first play, run the second. That means the second play was called. And if a second play is called, they called a run. So I'm like, I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't know if they actually call. I, I really don't know how the whole audible thing works. And in, in I'm sure it's different for every team. Like, I'm not sure he called two plays. I bet they just have a bunch of audibles that they can use based on hand signals. This only affirms for me the thing that look 99% of situations in football. It's like the coaches do know more than us. And like all these questions we have, there's context. We don't know. Why doesn't Kyle Pitts get the ball? This stuff. There are things that coaches are worried about, but generally speaking, they know more. The one thing it's true. I swear to God that we are better at the clock management stuff. And we've done it more. We've done the clock management stuff. Anyone's ever played Madden has managed the freaking clock more than these people, because I swear to God, how how did that happen? I'm sorry. Okay, but so 30 minutes, fast forward 30 minutes of gameplay and the the Giants had an op- opportunity to win the game by making a touchdown. They had one untimed play with no time left and they almost got it. I mean, what? how did you feel about how the ending went? C- can I just say, that was a PI. It was a PI. <laughs> the second one? Yes. Two in a row. It, Two in a row. Easily. Yeah. No, it, I, it was pass interference, Craig. I agree. And I'm saying this as a Giants fan. And I want everyone to listen very important. This is very important. As someone who just lost the game because there probably was PI, you can't get that twice in a row. I, I completely get it. They're not going to call The refs it, cannot yeah. do that. Like twice the Giants in a row, getting the first PI. one was stunning. Like they were in that gray area of it's, you won't get it in a Hail Mary, but you can't ask that twice in a row. The Giants made too many mistakes. The no field goal at the end of the first half. And then, I mean, if you look at the, the, the Giants' mistakes, if they had just kicked the field goal at the end of the first half, they could have kicked the field goal in that drive to win the yep. game. Yep. So it's yep. like, you don't yep. deserve uh, it. Um, and then you got the first one, you got the PI, you got it at the one yard line. I, but I kept thinking about the true detective, like time is a flat circle where like, I just, I can't believe they're at the one yard line. And it, literally the entire game came down to these two plays at the one yard line. Tyrod looked all right, to be honest. Maybe like he's better than Daniel Jones. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Thank you, I, his Craig. deep balls were great. Thank you for saying that, not forcing me to do it. <laughs> he was dropping dimes. Like every D ball he threw was like in the bread basket and he was mobile. And, you know, I don't think he made a lot of dumb decisions except checking to a run at the end of the half. But like Tyrod seemed fine. This is a weird game because I don't think the Giants played that well. The Bills had a lot of unlucky plays. They had the Gabe Davis fumble. They had the tipped interception. Those are like two probably touchdown drives. And then it was a very like slow game. There was a lot of like eight minute possessions 
So I actually feel like the Giants were lucky to even be close, to be honest. First of all, the third quarter had two drives, and one of the drives didn't finish till the fourth quarter, which is astonishing. <laughs> I, I, you're right. Tyrod Taylor looked incredible, and I feel like the criticism of Tyrod Taylor is I don't know about incredible. He looked, he looked okay. All right, it's a little bar. It's a little bar, dude. The Giants have it. First of all, Mike Tirico's like, the Giants need their first touchdown in three games to win the game. And I'm like, God, that's the most depressing <laughs> thing I've had. It's like the kicker jinx, except if it was like, all right. He made a field goal in three years, but if he makes it, it's like, like when your right. friend, like you have the one single friend who hasn't had a girlfriend in like six years, and someone's like, "Wow, your first date." He has been on a date in six <laughs> years. It's like, all right, don't say we it. need to bring that up. <laughs> I, I actually, I there's so many things. I, I will say, I'll just I, the refereeing overall today was really weird. I thought the refereeing in this game was bizarre. The, and I'm not even including the PI at the end. I mean, the refereeing. I, I, I feel like the refs that are employed by the TV networks are always very pro. Um, the referees in the field because they all know each other and they're trying to promote Terry McCauley, who's the NBC guy, disagreed the whole game. Straight up was like, that's wrong. <laughs> that's wrong. They're very rarely definitively like that's Can obviously. Can Terry incorrect. McCauley just make the calls? Why can't he just be the ref? Like, just let him make the calls well, from a booth. That's how the be system kind of works, Craig. Like the people in New York, whatever, who are in charge of it, they'd make a lot of those calls. My hot take. Was, I actually think refereeing's been really good this season, and this week it was a catastrophe. We'll get into a lot of games that happened today, but like the Browns-Niners game was plagued by Browns like a got bunch screwed. weird calls. The Jets game, I mean, honestly, we'll get into it. Those teams won, but it's like, oh my God, the Al Lazard foul of blindside block. I'm like, I mean, Al Lazard's in front of the guy. I don't know what the blind part is. Uh, there were so many strange calls. But the Giants game, too. I mean, it, it, I don't know. A lot of weird going on. Anyway. Hi, it's real quick before we move on from the Giants and Monday Night Football. Deep down in your soul. Sunday. Sorry, Sunday Night Football. Are you what? Where, what? Are, what's your goal here in terms of like the Giants? Are you rooting for them to lose now for a better draft pick? What? Like, really, what are you? What are you? You should be what, happy. This you should tank. Like, it's exactly <laughs> the same as last year where. I was, what did I say last August? The worst possible thing that could happen is Daniel, the Giants are good enough. Daniel Jones convinces them to do a contract extension. And like you're, again, it's post nut clarity. It's like before you're like, I don't want to get into the situation. Then you're in the middle of it and you're like, I want to win the game. It's and then hard. afterwards, it's so you're like, hard to root for tanking. Yeah. It's like, it's not. Goes against you know, all your instincts, I feel like. Yeah. It's like, I would like my <laughs> tribe to do very poorly because yeah. then later in this arbitrary draft, we will get a bit. Like, yeah. It's like, objectively, obviously better for the Giants to have a better shot at a quarterback. But at the moment, I'm like, I don't want to lose the Sunday Just football. furious. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud, or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. We get into our awards. 
we got to do right now. We got to do the 72 Dolphins can pop champagne award for week six here. Uh, there are no more undefeated teams in the NFL. The last two teams, as I mentioned, the Niners and the Eagles, they both lost and lost to teams with backup quarterbacks. The NFL's Cleve- weird. NFL's weird. <laughs> Cleveland beat San Francisco 1917. The Jets beat the Eagles 20 to 14. First time Jets have Our ever Costanza, beat the Eagles. We, we, we said one of the four Costanza matchups would win. Turns out two of them did. I we should have just part. We should just as a rule parlay the Costanzas. <laughs> DK. Yo. We were talking about both these games, but do you feel like the Niners and the Eagles lost these games? Or do you feel like the Browns and Jets defenses won these games? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you have to say when you're analyzing these games, is like these great teams lost to backup quarterbacks. But in reality, their defenses were just ridiculously good. Starting off with uh, the Jets, who got four takeaways. From uh from Jalen Hurts, well, I guess three from Jalen Hurts and then a third or a fourth from, I think it was DeAndre Swift lost, lost a fumble. So, um, I don't know. The the defense on both of those games, both Cleveland and Philly, or, or New York, I should say, were both incredible. I just think it was a little bit striking to me today because in the modern era, especially when we're so focused on fantasy football, it's like offense dominates the conversation. Offense dominates the entire narrative most of the time. In fact, the old adage defense win championships. I don't even really know if that's true anymore based on like how the NFL has evolved based on the way that rules have evolved and they favor the offense in almost every way. Um, in reality, it's like quarterbacks win championships. It is the new sort of paradigm in the NFL. And if you look past, look back at the last 10 Super Bowls, I think probably 80% of them, eight out of 10 were just like really good offenses or really good quarterbacks dominating. So I don't know. I thought this was just a day for defense. It's almost the opposite because the, the full adage is offense wins games, defense wins championships, right? Isn't that what people say? But it's it's actually inverted now. It's kind of like defense wins games, offense wins championships. It's like the defense is able to stymie Brock Purdy or or stymie uh, the Eagles for one game. But like over the course of a season, the quarterback and the offense is, is you know, going to be the thing that matters the most. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that caught my ear was, uh, I think Nick Saban said that three years ago. And he used to say, like, like he literally was like, yeah, defense used to win championships. And he's like, I'm telling you, that it ain't that way anymore. And that's why Alabama went from playing the way Alabama used to play to having, like, a real-ass offense and having, <laughs> right. like, now they're like, all right, I guess like we modernized. need the best receivers now, but grudgingly. And now they just have four first-round picks every year or whatever. But, yeah, to your point, DK, I mean, you know, I would say the only defensive Super Bowls last year, your Seahawks defense, the That Broncos, was 10 years ago now. The Broncos defense, and I would argue the Patriots with Bra- I mean, the Patriots, the last one with the Rams, that was really a defensive Super Bowl. I'd also say, I will say that the Brady Bucks won. The Chiefs had nine points in the game. But to your point, like, they're offenses that are winning. I guess the adage is uh, defense wins championships, but like, those Super Bowls were defense oriented, but like, the, on the whole, those seasons were dominated by Brady. Yeah. It's a you Brady's, know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Obviously, whatever. We're just talking about a saying. But um, at the end of the day, to me, it was just, it was kind of crazy seeing a high-powered offense like the Eagles lose to this Jets team with Zach Wilson at quarterback. Like, that is wild. We just need to take a minute and appreciate that this defense, this Jets defense, has now toppled some very good quarterbacks this year. Yeah, man, the Jets have beaten the Bills, the Eagles, and they should have beaten the Chiefs in six weeks, the Jets. I mean, pretty impressive. And obviously with Zach Wilson the entire time, I mean, they beat the Bills, the Eagles, and almost the Chiefs in the first six weeks without Aaron Rodgers. I mean... 
it's impressive what Sala is doing with this with this team. And I got to say, with Zach Wilson specifically, since that Chiefs game, he's been okay. He hasn't been that bad. I actually <laughs> right. think he kind of looks like a different player, a little bit. This well, is going to sound he doesn't crazy. Look, he doesn't look atrocious anymore, which I think is no, what, what he you're getting at. Yeah. He looks like he's matured, to be honest. Like he's like making smarter decisions. He's like not being a maniac and trying to Josh Allen everything because nobody can do that except Josh Allen. Even Josh Allen can't do that sometimes. But I got to say, <laughs> I don't know if I'm getting like, you know, Jedi mind tricked because Aaron Rodgers is on the Jets and is on the sidelines. But there are moments when Zach Wilson, you're gonna this is gonna be so dumb that I'm saying this. There are moments when Zach Wilson is throwing a ball down the sideline that he kind of looks like Aaron Rodgers. Like he kind of throws like Aaron Rodgers and he throws these like slinging deep balls down the sideline, kind of like these back shoulders. And I'm like, kind of has Aaron Rodgers vibes on the, on those specific throws, nothing else. Dude, you know how when you're growing up and your favorite player or someone that's on your favorite team, you like totally emulate their style. So for like, for instance, when I was growing up, I would emulate Ken Griffey Jr. swing, you know, and then later on it was Ichiro or whoever. And then like when I was really younger, I was like emulating Gary Payton's shot or whatever. And I feel like just being in Aaron Rodgers' presence is probably rubbing off on him. By the way, I think he was he was compared to Aaron Rodgers a little bit when he was coming into the league because he has just a whip-like, really quick motion when he's throwing the football. Yeah, because Aaron Rodgers looks like he's, like, throwing a baseball to first to me when he throws. Like, he has that, like, flick, almost like he's throwing a dart. And there's a little bit of that in Zach Wilson. Uh, yeah, maybe he's copying him. It's like when Americans go to London, then they come back and have an accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they say, I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the loo? Oh, sorry, the bathroom. <laughs> Zach Wilson's also going to vote for RFK Jr. So I think you guys are totally right. <laughs> he probably will. Probably honestly. will. Um, yeah. No, I think it, so. The Jets. I, I, I think. Look, we've. I think you're totally right. One, Zach Wilson's 24. Like, I mean, he doesn't have to be the worst quarterback ever forever. And then I, I totally agree. He's getting better. I think the Jets defense. I Jets fans have kind of have a weird relationship with Robert Sala. I've always thought he was great. I felt very vindicated today. I think he's the right guy, like personality wise, to handle the Jets team. But like, holy crap. They've played Jalen Hurts. First of all, Jalen Hurts, career high, uh, or tied for his career high, three picks. The Jets have now created 10 turnovers versus Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, and Josh Allen and those teams. That's pretty incredible. Um, the So the caveat here is the Eagles were like the healthiest team last year in the league with the Super Bowl. you know. But today, they didn't have Lane Johnson, their right tackle, got hurt. Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle. Darius Slay, the cornerback. Avante Maddox, the cornerback. Reed safeties, Reed Blankenship, Justin Evans. That's what Eagles fan would say. Here's the thing. The Jets have way more guys who are hurt than the Eagles. That's what's so impressive about this game to me. The Jets were out their top two starting quarterbacks, two backup cornerbacks. Never mind. The quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, is supposed to be on this team. The Jets lost their best offensive lineman, Elijah Vera Tucker. Their other left tackle, Dwayne Brown. I'm like, they still kind of rocked Philadelphia. Like, this team, can you, I know this is a stupid thing to say, and we, like, have been over this for a month, but can you imagine if Aaron Rodgers was the quarterback for this <laughs> I team? Think it, I was thinking this the whole time we were talking about Zach Wilson. This team would be so good. It'd be so Should good. we talk about the video of Rodgers on the field, like in sneakers, like throwing the football around today, a month after the surgery? I think he is coming back. I'm saying it right now. I think Rodgers will be back this Dolphin season. sex. So this is... This, Listening to thing? Dolphins fucking is, is, was is this a rehab joke? plan. Was it a know. joke? Uh, it doesn't matter. I don't think I we guess, can assume anything with Rodgers. Here's my question with the Achilles thing. Everyone's like, oh my God, he's, I, I don't know anything. Is that normal? Or is that how, how much of the timeline is he really beating people you? Seem I feel to like be I have surprised. no idea. Yeah. People it, seem to be surprised. I had a friend who I played basketball with who tore his Achilles and it took him like over a year to get to the point where he could play basketball again. 
And then there was like another year mentally of getting over it. I feel like the way Rodgers looked, like he was just standing, shuffling, and throwing. I was like, can he play right now? Like, just like have him throw <laughs> quick screens. Like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like what he was doing was good enough. In the shock of Rodgers getting hurt, we never talked enough about how it was kind of the MetLife turf fault. And Garrett Wilson Everyone once again got hurt. Everyone hates the MetLife turf, by the way. It's- What's up? Like, why, why are why do they have turf versus a different state? Like, what what goes into the decision making process of turf versus grass? I believe that the entirety of it comes down to you have other events there that are not football games, and so when Taylor Swift comes, you need to take the turf away and set up a Taylor Swift concert, and that if you want to put the turf back, it's cheaper to put your rubber pellets there and not real grass. And I think that's like the entirety of the reason is it's cheaper money and all, all yes, it's just cheaper. And like, I'll never forget. Uh, do you remember what was a snowstorm something last year? Or the lions, they had to move a game from Buffalo to like Detroit because there was like a lake hurricane coming of snow. I don't know, but they, there was like, Oh, look at this Detroit lions. They had a Christmas carnival. And then now they have a game and they did take the carnival down in one day. And they like had a funny video time lapse of like how fast it went down. And I'm like, that's why all the players get hurt is because there was a carnival at this game yesterday. And then they put the, because what happens is there's slippage. Like they put it back, but there's give and it's concrete underneath. So one players hate playing on it because it land harder, but then also it, it just gives like there's give to it anyway. But the Jets won. Before we, before we move on, I just had this thought during the game. I want to throw, throw it at you guys. This is about the Eagles who again, were. Kind of underwhelming. I, obviously, I know that their record is very strong, but I don't know. I will say, though, does anyone in the NFL right now like combine pure physical, like elite size and athleticism and speed and explos- explosiveness with actually being a really good catcher of the football than A.J. Brown? It just struck me today how freaking good A.J. Brown is, not just as a run-after-the-catch guy or he's big and physical, he can, he he has like incredible hands, like the softest hands. He had so many catches that I would put on like the nine point five rate in d- like difficulty today, and he just makes them so easily. I, it's crazy. I just wanted to shout out AJ Brown because I just had that thought that he's just incredible. It's funny. I was thinking the exact same thing today. I, he made like three deep ball, like like feathery fingertip catches. Yes. Just like it's very like the ball just sticks and, and like to his hands. Delicate. Yeah. Yes, and I'm just like, man, AJ Brown is like, he's like DK Metcalf mixed with like exactly. Allen or something. I didn't want to say it because I'm the DK Metcalf defender, but it's like this is like what it would be like if DK could catch really well. DK is like physically a wonder, but his hands have always been a little bit <laughs> hit or miss. Like AJ Brown, he's is a just little frickin- too physical of, sometimes. <laughs> God, seriously, dude, has anyone told DK Metcalf you can't push a guy down like that? Yeah, anyway. DK Metcalf just takes his. Out. <laughs> what happened? Was that guy talking shit? Like that guy didn't even look like he was paying attention to DK Metcalf. DK what Metcalf happened is there? A, he's a bully out there. He's just picking on people. The other, the other upset here, the Browns beat the San Francisco 49ers. This is wild. Uh, 49ers first loss in their last 16 regular season games. So they snapped the longest winning. Cleveland snapped the longest winning streak in 49ers team history. This one, there's so many stats in this game, but Browns allowed 1,002 yards in five games. So it's a thousand yards basically, in five games, which is the third fewest since the merger in 1970. And the only teams to allow less than Cleveland has through their first five games are the Vikings in 1970 and the Baltimore Colts in 1971. This is the this is the modern era, too. Like, this is, this is yeah, insane. This is the greatest cr- start for any defense ever. Like, just say it. Like, it's crazy. 
It really is, especially when that fifth game's against the 49ers. Uh, and the, I, I mean, there's so many things to say about it. I, I, but I, on our Friday show, we talked about how Jim Schwartz is like the guy. It, 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 it's almost like every pitcher, no matter how great, it, you know, that Greg Maddox quote, one of the best pitchers ever was like, except for Tony Gwynn. It's like Kyle Shannon, best play caller, except for Jim Schwartz, the Browns D coordinator. Jim Sh uh, Schwartz has now had 10 games against Kyle Shanahan. Jim Schwartz is nine and one, nine and one against Shanahan. And Shanahan has now scored under 20 points in nine of the 10 games against Jim Schwartz. So I, I don't know, uh, Craig, you've been talking about this Browns defense so much. DK, I, 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 DK, are we at this point with this Browns defense where if they could do this to the Niners, like I, I can you kind of bench anyone now if they're facing Cleveland? It certainly, yeah, it certainly makes me worried now anytime I have a player in fantasy going up against the Browns defense. I want to throw some numbers at you. Obviously, quarterbacks have fared very, very poorly against the Browns so far. Only Lamar Jackson has had a good game. He had 28 points in week four. But otherwise, we got Burrow in week one, 3.2 points. Pickett, 11 points. Tannehill in week three, four points. Then they had the bye. And then Purdy this week who has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the entire NFL, has the best offense around him, 7.7 points. Um, and, it, and that obviously extends to the receivers, opposing receivers against the Browns. Um, have had. There's been basically two guys that have had more than double-digit points. This, these are only two players that have had more than seven fantasy points. Uh, George Pickens in week two, <laughs> A.J. Brown today. Wow. Everyone else has had 6.5 or below or something like that. In Pickens, it was one play. It was that one deep ball. It was that it was that one seventy yard touchdown, yeah, exactly. Um, so they are to me an absolute avoid if you can't if you, if you can with receivers. Running backs the same deal. There's two two running backs this year that have had double digit points. It's Jalen Warren in week two, and that was probably on like five or six dump off passes. You know what I mean? And then DeAndre Swift today. Those are the only running backs to score double digit points. And then tight ends the same deal. It's like they they don't give up anything to any position. You know how like in NBA draft picks, uh, you could have like a top five protected pick where if it's if if you end up getting a top five pick, you retain the pick. But if you don't, it goes to the other team. I feel like the Bills defense, it's like, what are they? They're probably like top 40 protected right now. And by that, I mean, like if you a top 40 fantasy player in the league, you're probably starting them still against the Browns. But if you're outside the top 40, I, I really consider like you're just benching that player no matter who they are against the Browns. So I, I don't know if it's like top 30, top 40, top 50, but they're, the, and that number is getting smaller and smaller of the people that you would want to play against the Browns and feel comfortable about starting. We have, while we're here, we have to talk about Brock Purdy. Um, this is the first regular season loss of Brock Purdy's career. Right after we decided he was good. When do you I know will it? say, I, I, I know. I, <laughs> it was I, raining for what it's worth. Well, we have to say it was the And he has small hands. And I think the other thing is how much of the narrative was decided by like the kicker. Like at the end of the day, I think that I kind of wanted to just delete the outcome of kicks from people's careers because if J like Jake Moody misses the kick, so it's like Brock Purdy exposed. But if Jake, <laughs> but if Jake Moody made the kicks 41 yards, Gritty. we would have been like Brock Purdy, you know what? He got it done. Kids just a winner. Just like wins. In yeah. In reality, he did a Kenny Pickett. <laughs> he was pretty bad and unremarkable for 55 minutes. And he put them in like a total game winning situation. And then the guy missed the kick. But I, I don't know. I mean, uh, what was your guys' take? Because obviously the cynical view is that there were once Debo and Christian McCaffrey were out, Kyle Shanahan was getting outdone by Jim Schwartz and it was wet. Brock Purdy, I mean, to be clear, the second half, the Niners, if you take out the drive where they got the ball at the eight-yard line and just scored, 
the five drives after the second half, they literally had negative 13 yards in those five drives combined at a pick. They couldn't move the ball. So I don't know, DK, now that we went in on Brock Purdy, did you, were you having buyer's remorse? No, I mean, I think, so Craig even said this last week, I think, when we were talking about this game, because obviously he tore up the Cowboys. And then we started looking forward. He's like, now he's going to play the Browns. And it's like, are we going to just like completely shit on him now that he lost to the Browns? Like he played two of the best defenses in the NFL, like twice, like two games in a row. He was really good in one of them and he was pretty bad in the other. Like, let's just chill and like wait till the next week. I, I do think obviously some of the concerns that we had had about him before we, you know, got pretty pill, we decided to take the pill, the red pill and we're pretty pilled all that. Um, bef- like some of the concerns we had, like those showed up, but like at the end of the day, this is one game against a defense that's absolutely shut down almost everyone they've played. It's whatever. Yeah. As somebody who is like taking the longest to convert to believing in Purdy, I'm at, I'm actually not, I, I'm not reading into this at all. Like I think Purdy's still totally fine. I mean, l- l- I mean, we're talking about, this is the best defense maybe ever in the first six weeks of a season. And look at what they did to Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. It's like, all right, yeah, Purdy didn't have a great game in the rain against the best defense ever. I think it's fine. But I have a larger question that I wanted to pose to you two today. Um, I feel like there's there's been some really, like, especially today, the interceptions are awful. There's, like, really blatant interceptions now. And, like, you know, guys like Tua sometimes or or Purdy or not really Purdy this year because he's only, he hit through his first pick uh, today. But, like, DK, do you think because play callers are getting so good at at telling a quarterback where he's going to go and with guys like Tua and Brock Purdy and like what maybe a Desmond Ritter where like the offense is designed around like the coach is so smart, the scheme is so complex and it's like you are going to go here. You don't even really have to make any reads that now these these players, these quarterbacks are just throwing to a spot without even caring whether or not it's open because they're told to do it. It's the muscle memory. They know where they're supposed to go. Uh, Who was it today that had... I might've been Ritter had like the most blatant interception throwing to two people standing in front of the Falcon receiver <laughs> that he was trying to get the ball to. And I'm like, and it was just like, he like dropped back, like hit his, hit his spot through it, blatant pick. And I'm like, are these guys not even thinking now because, because their play callers are, are drawing things up so directly for them. Ritter was hitting his, the, the defenders more accurate than I've ever seen him hit his own receivers, <laughs> to be honest with you. But to Ritter answer your question, yeah. Craig, the first place my mind went when you're like, are the quarterbacks throwing more blatant picks? Because I just, I, my mind went through a montage of watching Kerry Collins growing up and then Rex Grossman. And I was like, I don't know. But like, those picks were sucked. like reckless. They were like reckless bad throws. Like these are like Tua drops back and just like throws it to a dolphin over the middle or to the other team over to the middle the field. Mac and Jones, the announcers are like, Mac Jones said a bad one. Yeah. Today. Mac Jones said one of the worst picks I've seen in a while of just that he sailed it. Um, I don't know. It, it just looks like the way, like when they throw these interceptions, it looks like it's like a part of their rhythm. It's just like drop back, look, throw blatant pick. And I'm like, why are you throwing? Like, this wasn't like your fourth read and you're panicking. It's like in, in rhythm interceptions. It's very odd. Yeah. I don't know the question. I don't know the answer. I think my first reaction is like, we are living in the golden age of quarterbacking. So it's probably fine. Yeah. I think the mistakes being polarized is uh, that's actually true. It's like, we just, I actually think the interception rate's never been lower. If anything, they might stand out. But I will say, like, yeah, for, team, for teams that uh, I think that you're picturing where it's a lot of, like, get the ball out quickly, hit your back foot, get the ball out, timing, rhythm, you know, s- defenses watch tape, too, I think is, like, something that we don't really think about all that much in, in the fantasy world. It's like, 
oh, this offense, why is this quarterback not doing as well? It's well, because teams are starting to figure out some of the, like some of the plays that you like the most, which is what obviously a lot of uh, offensive coordinators want to call those plays. And so you can start to predict where these going to go. You get a guy dropping back that normally isn't dropping back, uh, hasn't dropped back on tape in the past or whatever, like in filling in a, in a passing lane. So I don't know. I just think it, part of it is probably just like teams are starting to figure out, you know, the bread and butter plays from some of these offenses, particularly like, you know, the Dolphins who get the ball out so quickly and, and so much in rhythm. Um, obviously, the Dolphins, no one's figuring out the Dolphins yet, but except for the Bills. But um, yeah, I don't know. That was the first thing that came to mind. It's just like maybe like defenses are adapting to some of these quick throws. I have another answer, too. Maybe it's because all the quarterbacks suck, Craig, because I don't know if you know. Today noticed, was a disaster. A, a quarter of the teams in the NFL played a backup quarterback. So first of all, there's the injuries. Injuries. injuries everywhere, right? So just, just going to tick down a list. Quarterbacks who got, I mean, Trevor Lawrence, he didn't even come out of the game, but Trevor Lawrence after the game said he had a, hit a knee issue. Ryan Tannehill left with an ankle issue. He was replaced by Malik Willis, who is God bless, God bless his heart. Justin Fields dislocated his thumb, tried to pop it back in and couldn't. Tyson Badgett replaced him. Jimmy Garoppolo had a back injury. He was replaced by Brian Hoyer versus Bill Belichick, which is hilarious. Never mind. Christian McCaffrey with an oblique injury. Debo Samuel with a shoulder. David Montgomery hurt his ribs. Ramondre Stevens. And then people who got hurt, like actually hurt, blue tent hurt, and then went back in the game. Ramondre Stevenson, Kyron Williams, DK Metcalf, Tyreek Hill, Garrett Wilson twice. Never mind that Trent Williams, best left tackle in the NFL, left and came back. Lane Johnson, best right tackle in the NFL. It was crazy. Even by football standards, a lot of people got hurt. And then it was just like, I want, the quarterbacks we were watching were so bad. I, I, I mean, Gardner Minshew, horrific. I feel like, I feel like it's, I don't, it, the NFL is so weird right now because in the last few drafts, for whatever reason, quarterbacks have started falling further, it feels like. But then teams have more need for quarterbacks because of these concussion rules where you can get knocked out of a game in the first quarter and they won't let you come back in. It's like, I feel like we're seeing more. I don't know if this this is actually true. I feel like we're seeing more quarterbacks than ever before. Um, Just like the sheer volume of quarterbacks that play in any given games um, because of the new rules around concussions, which is a good thing, of course, in the long term. But it really complicates things. This is why there's a third quarterback, emergency quarterback rule for a lot of teams. Um, I don't, I don't know. It just seems like a weird contrast because you need quarterbacks more, but now teams are less, they, they feel less like focused on getting quarterbacks. I don't get it. It's weird. I, this is what I kept saying about the, the Brown, the, the Bengals not having right. replacement it's for Joe Burrow. Perfect it's example. Like you look at yeah. the, the, all right, here's two good examples. One, the Browns, I know they won with PJ Walker today, but let's be real. The fact that they, their backup quarterback for the Browns was Deshaun Watson, $230 million. The backup is Dorian Thompson Robinson, who is a rookie. What? Like a fifth, fifth rounder. rounder? This is what I'm saying. They're like using these fifth, fourth and fifth round picks. Sam Howell is a fifth rounder. It's like you spent $230 million on Deshaun Watson. Like spend a couple more on a backup. You know what I mean? Like what's 16, a couple more at that point? $16,000 on, ca- on candles. My family's starving. Help me, <laughs> help me budget. If this was a car... It's basically like having a, I don't know, like a Bugatti that you paid a million dollars for, but it snows and you can't use it. So you're like, well, I shit, I guess we have to walk. Like there's no, like you just have a Dorian Thompson Robinson. Like, oh, I guess we'll quantum leap PJ Walker in. And then, uh, you know, the Bills, they have, they couldn't even afford a whole name. They had to get Kyle Allen instead of Josh Allen. But I, I mean, I will, uh, DK, Tyson Bagent. B- Bagent? Tyson Bagent? 
That's a that's such a backup name. You know what I mean? Like he'll never be a starter with that name. You got to change the name. <laughs> change it's backup name. energy. So this is the the perfect, exactly the perfect example of what we're just talking about. Tyson Bajant, undrafted free agent out of Shepherd University, which is a D2 school. D2. Ex- explain to me, DK. I don't understand why this guy is the one who is on an NFL team. Like, I don't under Why aren't all backups just like guys who played at Oregon State or something? Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't Tyson know. Tyson Bajan's from <laughs> Shepard. Like, yeah. there's there's nobody else telling me the quarterback from like Oklahoma State last year is not better than the guy from Shepard or the like Dude, thousands I, what's of Shepard. The what thousands Shepherd? of like veteran backups. Like, Craig, here's Dude, a perfect, never heard perfect, of another perfect example. He beat out PJ Walker, who started for the Browns today. And oh my God, that's who he beat out, right? Because the Tyson Bajan, the whole thing was he beat out for the job and undrafted. I'm like, right, he beat out P.J. Walker. P.J. Walker, who had a $2 million guaranteed salary, they cut, the Bears cut him because uh, Bajan did so well in the preseason. And he honestly, he looked really good in the preseason. I want to throw some facts at you guys about this because obviously being a, two, a D2 guy, you're not very well known. He did go to the Senior Bowl, I will say. Did he almost go to Frostburg State? <laughs> no, they didn't. They, Is they Frostburg didn't D1? Offer him. I don't. Yes, <laughs> Shepard. Could they FCS. even beat Notre Dame College? Ivis, look up Beige. Sorry, look up Shepard and see who they play. I will say, he is the all-time, all com, all division, all levels in college football leader in career passing touchdowns. One hundred and fifty-nine, more than Case Keenum, more than Kellen Moore. One hundred and fifty-nine passing touchdowns in four seasons, which is a fuckload. Obviously, I know it's D two. Um, he threw for seventeen thousand yards in college. He attempted over 2,000 passes. Do you remember how we were talking about Trey Lance a couple of years ago? You know how many, do you know how many passes Trey Lance threw in college? 318. 318. Like Tyson Bajan <laughs> threw 2,000 plus passes in college. Maybe this is why he's good, just because of fucking reps. Anyways, uh, the other thing which I think you'll like the most, Craig, and Heifetz, really. His dad is a world champion arm wrestler. He's generally, oh, this guy! He's generally considered to be the greatest left-handed arm wrestler of all time. This is Travis Bajant, who I've I've looked at some of his... I, so obviously studying the draft, I studied this guy a little bit. His dad is like this boombastic, larger-than-life personality. He's like almost like a WWE guy, uh, like but arm wrestler. He has like a website. He has all these videos. You should Google him, Travis Bajant. He's got a bunch of like CBD stuff you could buy too if you want. Um, anyways, this is like the weirdest fucking story of all time. Like D2 guys who's starting for, he might be the starter for the next few weeks while, uh, Justin Field is out because he, he dislocated his throwing thumb. That's not good. Like he might miss a few weeks now. I, um, I have a question that I would like people listening with your children to turn it off. And also my mom, you can pause it and maybe we cut this in the show. If you world champion arm wrestler, you're the greatest left-handed arm wrestler ever. What hand do you think his dad jerks off with left to right? <laughs> If you have the strongest left hand of all the left arm of all time. I feel like he goes left. You got, I mean, I'm sure that means he's left-handed, you know, most coordinated. It's probably this, brushing his teeth with his left. I'm sure. More, dex, more dexterous. Oh, that's how he got there. Dex, he has to his, do everything. His dexterity yeah. is off the charts with that thing. You know, the funniest thing about this guy is like, you know, he jogs in, they're like, and here it comes Tyson Bajan. And you're just like, there's just no way this, like this guy's got no shot. First place, like the most like, egregious pick you've ever seen. It was a pick six, I believe. He just gets like hit as he throws. Oh, that wasn't his first. That wasn't his first play. Bajit, your point. Bajit did something that I forgot that Blake Bortles used to do, which is 
he threw a pick that I thought had been tipped that was not. And that hasn't happened in like four years that I, it's usually the other way. It's you throw, you think it's fine and it's bad. And it was not bad. And I thought it was, Oh my God. You guys are making fun of him. I think he might be good. <laughs> I think this guy might be legit. I don't you know, know who's we'll not Malik Willis. I hope Tannehill's okay. Cause Malik Willis like is one of the worst quarterbacks I've ever seen. Those types of plays only happen to bad quarterbacks. Like the like get hit as you throw, the ball goes straight in the air. Like that just doesn't happen to Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like it's, for some reason, he just never gets hit as he throws and it, it's, it's like an ugly pick. That only happens to like Tyson Bajans and Desmond Ritters. Here's my other question. Here's my other question. So like, uh, you know, I was thinking about this. I mean, you know, McCaffrey ended up being okay. But if you have like, you know, Debo, or like Justin Fields leaves the game with four points. I'm not saying this should be the default. Like, I'm not saying every league should be like this. However, should we be able to sub players out in fantasy football? Like, it's kind of whack that they could just get hurt immediately. Like, oh, nothing I can do about this. That's kind of dumb. I, uh, here's here's I the actually thing. agree. Yeah. I don't know, like, the best way to do it, but I feel like, do you guys remember during the COVID year when everybody before the, this is like a whole bunch of extra work for the commissioner, I guess. Maybe there's a way they can automate it. But do you remember during the COVID year, you would send an alternate to your commissioner in a lot of leagues. And we were like, basically, if this guy gets COVID on Saturday and can't go on Sunday, here's my backup guy, blah, blah, blah. I think in the, in an era, especially with like, like we were talking about before, where concussion, where they have a spotter, an independent spotter telling guys they have to come out if they hit their head awkward. We're seeing more and more guys leave games and not come back. Whereas in the old days, a lot of those was like, like, for worse, would play through concussions, right? Um, I don't know. It's just like really changed. I think it's really changed football, obviously. And it's changed fantasy. Maybe there's like a way, there's like a, it's just like a somewhere in between where you can like have one backup guy. If one of your players leaves early with a concussion or whatever, where you can sub him in. Because I think it's just going to get, it's going to continue on this path. And, you know, the NFL is going to be really like proactive about getting guys out when they get concussions. And so... I don't know. I think there's something there. I, I would be for it. I mean, I think it, the thing I think about is, I don't know about you guys, but one, I feel like we've changed where some people have IR spots in their leagues, but you can put players who are out in the IR. I think that's fine because people are like, oh, I get mad. I'm like, okay, but real teams can do that. Like real teams can put a guy, you know what I mean? And so the thing I always wonder about is, I, I understand that back in the day when Bill Simmons was mailing the roster and you don't figure out if you won or not till like Tuesday, you didn't know what the score was. I understand why they couldn't sub guys out. And I understand you don't want all 12 members of your league having to like sub a guy in, but it's just kind of nuts that you're like, yep, got hurt. Nothing I could do. I'm like, oh, but the real team can sub a guy in. There's got to be a compromise between here. Here's the deal. It's like, there's a gray area between the way that we, most people play, which is like you set your lineup. And then there's best ball where you just, your best ball lineup is just the, the guy, the seven or eight guys or whatever, how many ever 10 guys that scored the highest points. What if there's just a middle ground? Like you can sub in one guy, you know, that like. Yeah, if, you should get like one alternate per game or something like, like one that. one best ball, like one, we'll call him a ringer and he'll go in and, you know, he's your ringer. And if, if one of your guys goes out early, then you get like your high score goes back in. I like that. I kind of like that. By the way, McCaffrey, McCaffrey got hurt, which is kind of what we've been saying this entire season. Like, man, they're really feeding McCaffrey. Do, I, do, do you think load management will ever be a part of the NFL? I think it already is starting to be. I think that this is the reason there's so few McCaffreys in the world is because teams are like, we can't give these guys 300 carries every year. 
And I think it's going to continue. This is something, by the way, this is something I texted you guys today. I feel like, so like this, I was watching the Bears game. It was like Darrington Evans, who came in from the Dolphins practice squad. He's like their sixth running back because everybody else is hurt. And like, he looked pretty good to me. He looked fine. He was out there running. Like he was making some plays. I think he did fumble one time, but otherwise he was pretty good. I think every team has like six running backs. So it'd be like pretty good. Except for except for the Chargers who have been trying for three years to find a backup running back Eckler and all their <laughs> guys are terrible. It's like why can why can the Bears find a guy from the practice squad of the Dolphins and plug him in in one day and the and the Chargers have spent three years trying to find anybody to back up Austin Eckler? I don't get that. DK, have totally you guys seen agree. Phantom Thread? That movie? I, I have not. Oh, well, I, I think maybe I think Austin Eckler might be just like he just poisons the food of all the other running backs. <laughs> so they're always just like a little debilitated or weaker. They don't know why. He must oh be doing God. that. He must be like sneaking poison uh, into their food. That's why he's doing his uh, one arm pull ups. He's like, yeah, you guys yeah. can't. That's funny. But like, dude, if the Niners are nine and oh and they're like playing the commanders, they should just be like Christian McCaffrey, healthy scratch. They do it with Kawhi Leonard. You know what I mean? Like, I, I kind How's of How's that going for the Clippers? Stand, no, well, they started it with the Spurs when they won the title. So, like, Ka- Kawhi Leonard, like, kind of started it. But it was like, yeah, Pop would just be like, you know what? Duncan, Ginobili, Parker, we're sitting them. Fuck it's it. It's rainy. It's and wet like, out. We don't want to pull yeah, any grinds. Yeah, it's a back-to-back. Like, if the Niners play on a Sunday and then they have a Thursday game the next week, just fucking sit Christian McCaffrey. You're I think the simplest answer I could give you is that it's because something about the scheduling, not something, it's it's the back-to-back nights where players want to party or whatever and also just travel. There, It is built into the culture of the NBA that, eh, I don't know about all these games. Whereas There's not in enough the NFL, games in the NFL, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's built into the I, culture of the NFL. I don't think that NFL. used to be a thing, though, Heifetz. I mean, like, in the 80s, I don't think they thought that way. It was like, you play every game. Now it's, like, a lot more lenient. I, I, I think that... The NFL, there's more culture of if you sit out the game, you'll lose your job. That doesn't exist. But I'm saying Kawhi Leonard's not worried about losing his job. Yeah, I'm not saying McCaffrey opts to sit out. I'm saying like, I just think it's crazy that in a sport where injuries are so important and they change the trajectory of a season, that if you're a really good team, you're 11 and one and you have a game, it's like fucking sit your guys or some of them. I don't know. We see this in the preseason too, Craig. Well, the, the funniest thing to me, I, I agree. The, the team that does, I feel like the Chiefs do this with Jarek McKinnon, but it shouldn't take like three reconstructive knee surgeries for people to do it. I hear and what you And they only play Kadarius Tony like yeah. 25% of the snaps because uh, they need him. it's just load management. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's not any other reason. Saving well, him. Yeah. Speaking of Kadarius, there are a lot of receivers we were really wrong about. That everybody was really wrong about. That segue is offensive, Hyphens, but continue. You're right. Sorry, I was right about the game. You guys were really <laughs> wrong about him. But there were a lot of people that we were all really wrong about. I was wrong about. And I, I actually think that the connected tissue here is it's really the somebody's got to catch passes award. I feel like I talked a lot about the dread zone because we talked about the running back dead zone. We talked a lot about the receiver dread zone this year. And really just all these receivers are terrible quarterbacks. We were like, yeah, hey, don't go through this. Don't put yourself through all these terrible quarter. Whoops. Oh, my God. Like you look at some of the receivers this year, DJ Moore is like what the a top two receiver on the season. We, you know, we didn't love DJ Moore coming into the year. Um, Michael Pittman for the Colts has been like really concentrated. Like there's a lot of uh, receivers. We're really worried about, oh, I don't know how this is going to go and they're doing great, but I, there's, I don't know if this person quite counts, but it, cause they weren't going very high, but there's been no one. I was, I think was more wrong about this year than Adam Thielen, who I need to give his flowers. Adam Thielen receiver for the Panthers 
Adam Thielen had eight catches and 100 yards and a touchdown at halftime today. He ended up with 115 yards, but uh, the Panthers are actually up 14-0, and then they lost 42-21. to But Adam Thielen, top 23 fantasy points, top 14 receiver on the day. Adam Thielen's a top four wide receiver on the season. He is literally ahead of A.J. Brown and Jamar Chase wow. on the year. Wow. Which... Quite, I'm I'm speechless. Like I flabbergasted. I think it's it feels like a Jock Josh Jacobs esque thing. I thought I was done with this, but I I don't. I honestly I'm stunned. I mean, the when he was on the field for the Vikings, the Vikings overall offensive efficiency cratered when he was when literally everyone on the field except him. Like and he would leave, and then it, the team is just better. What do you guys think this is? Like, I mean, because I think the. The rationale behind not being into it. So the other guys, Jacoby Myers, Drake London, Michael Pittman, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, these guys are on bad teams, right? And like the whole thing was like, I have the worst fucking attorneys, the Terry McLaurin award. It was like, don't draft guys with shitty quarterbacks on shitty teams because it doesn't work out. All these all these players that we named are on bad teams that are bad this year. And yet they're still playing well with their mediocre to, to bad quarterbacks. Is this just like, Kind of a sell high across the board situation here, or or what? Like, what what do you think the takeaway is from this? I don't know. That's it's tough. So basically, we named this the "Somebody's Got to Catch Passes" award because it's a cliche that we use a lot in the preseason when we're trying to put together projections and rankings and be like, somebody in this offense has got to catch passes. And I think a lot of the times we've preached against that because ultimately, when you say that somebody's got to catch passes, the implication is all these guys suck and there's nobody that's good in this offense and someone's going to have to catch passes. Um, I do think there's an element of this with Adam Thielen where Adam Thielen is the only good receiver on this team. And therefore, or maybe we just underestimated how good he is, but like he doesn't have much competition here. You know, Jonathan Mingo, he's a rookie. He's slowly learning. And I thought he was overdrafted anyway. Um, You know, Terrace Marshall is not, not, turning out to be anything. DJ Chark is just a journeyman guy. There's not, not a lot of competition here. And so I think the fact that Bryce Young like trusts this guy and his timing and chemistry is really strong with him. Like that's the reason we're seeing Thielen just absolutely ball out. Um, and then I, I would say, you know, in that, in that instance in particular, I think we probably just underestimated how good Adam Thielen is, at least relative to his teammates. I, yeah, I mean, it's stunning. Like just the, the competency, what it's done. I, I, I think it's a few factors because even as the Panthers have been so bad, I mean, I think to your point, like there's so many, how many times we try to project a receiver, like, um, you know, when Devonte Adams left being like, Oh, Alan Lazard or, um, you know, was it, um, Robert Woods, the first year he was in Tennessee, you know, there are so many instances where we're like, oh, this guy will be it. And generally speaking, when an aging veteran goes to a rebuilding team, you're like, yeah, I think it's kind of the veteran leadership. I don't know. I mean, you're absolutely right, though. Thielen was just not very good last year. I think he was probably kind of banged up. Craig, to answer your question, I think a few of these guys are absolutely sell highs, though. Like DJ Moore being a top five receiver this year, sell high. Because Whoa, whoa, whoa. What about Tyson Bajan? <laughs> well, as much as I love Tyson Bajan, um, I don't think he's going to continue this trajectory. Uh, DJ Moore is not going to continue this direct. Di- What's the word? Trajectory. Traje- God damn it. Uh, it's all right. It's late. Thanks. DJ Moore was easily my biggest miss. I didn't want to be yeah. like, I didn't want my name to be associated with DJ Moore. This is fantasy. <laughs> I think, I think Drake London after today, probably so high. I think Kyle Pitts probably London, so high. I got to say London looks really good. He's like an elite contest catch good. guy. Yeah. 
like he's just going up and like ripping balls and coming down with them, um, which is necessary because Ritter's not good and every <laughs> pass is kind of difficult. But I, I was watching today. You know what's funny about the Falcons, particularly with their receivers, their good ones like Pitts and and uh, Drake London. Every time they catch a pass, it's like they're a street dog that was just fed their first meal in weeks. They're like so happy and elated <laughs> to have caught the pass. They celebrate as though like they just like won on a buzzer beater. And, like Drake London catches like a twelve yard slant, and he gets up and he's like screaming and like pointing at the stands. And I'm like, it's because these people are never fed. You never know when the the next one's going to come, you know? (laughs) They're like legitimately like celebrating every time they catch a 15-yard pass. Um, Along those lines, so if you listen to our Wednesday show, I kind of got a little shocked and dismayed that Heifetz ranked (laughs) Desmond Ritter as the number two worst quarterback in the NFL. I'd like to rescind that that reaction. I'm, I'm taking my complaint off the table. I, I will cut watching, that out of the pod. Ty will cut that out. <laughs> watching Ritter today was hard. Like he was so bad. His a couple of his picks, especially the one in the end zone. By the way, did you see Arthur Smith's reaction to that to that interception? I've never seen a man so just incandescent mad. Like he Arthur was so Smith mad. Arthur Smith looked like he had lost faith in whatever <laughs> god, uh, god of his. He choice. was incandescent. Uh, yeah, it was bad. He just like hucked it up, like not even close. He just like off his back foot threw up like a lob. It's like he's throwing an alley oop, and the defender just like easily intercepted it. Uh, Desmond Ritter was so bad today that I literally was thinking to myself, I think interceptions need to be worth more, like or, like more <laughs> negative points in fantasy. Like minus six for those three picks was not enough. Get, yeah, can we get like an EPA style version of interceptions where it's like. Or next gen stats is like how close the nearest receiver was when a ball is intercepted, and then you get like more points against you if it's a really terrible one or something like that. I think there's something there. Um, by the way, the Falcons passed the ball 47 times today. Do you guys, how many times? Do, first of all, when do you think the last time the Falcons threw that many passes was? Don't read the page. Uh, Matt, Ryan. Matt Ryan, like Matt Ryan against like the Eagles, like five years ago, probably. It was. Well, not quite that long. September 19th, 2021 was the last time they threw more than 47 passes. Uh, that was, yeah, this is the second worst, I guess, game from that point of view for Arthur Smith's era. Um, and by the way, it was like nice for us that Pitts and London had good games. So maybe we should just like root for this. But at the end of the day, like this was not good for their offense <laughs> with Ritter under center. Yeah, Pitt, Pitts uh, had a touchdown today. Good for him. He was the number, the third tight end on the day. I got to say, hell yeah, about Pitts. two weeks in a row, baby. The Falcons also Washington beat the Falcons 24 to 16 and the, <laughs> we're they were the, in it. They were in the game. The Falcons only win when they don't give the ball to London Pitts and Bijan. I think the that's Falcons had they, yeah. <laughs> three straight drives down eight points that they could have gone down and won the game. Like the entire fourth quarter was essentially the Falcons had the ball with the chance to get a one possession game. They had so many plays. They also ran the ball for uh, 29 times. They ran a lot of plays in this game. It's they had bizarre. a million opportunities to win. Yeah. I, to be honest, Pitts doesn't look healthy to me. I don't think Pitts looks that good. Like when I see guys like Laporta and Mayer, I know they're different styles. I know Pitts is basically a wide receiver, but like Pitts does not look that electric to me. He doesn't look like a generational talent. Well, I think that is the root of the thing here. And it's funny because I think somewhere along the lines in the Pitts arc, we forgot to like actually watch what he does <laughs> on an individual play-to-play basis. 
Like when I watch Evan Ingram, I'm like, this guy's just as good as Kyle Pitts. <laughs> he's he's you know right. I mean? He's like hobbled. He's clearly lost a step from being, and, and this is all related to, I think, his knee injury that, you know, it was a, reported as an MCL strain, I think, and it kept him out for almost a full year. So I don't know what the deal is there, but yeah, he's he's not healthy, I don't think. But he, his touchdown catch was pretty sick today. Did you see that one? Let's just he say, like, we're going to yeah. shit talk Kyle Pitts today when he was, like, we always do two... Tight ends outscore Kyle Pitts in a lie. And today, only two tight ends outscore Kyle Pitts. There's not even room for a lie. I mean, he, he had 43 yards, but I think we can relax. It was a slow day. <laughs> he, had for a touchdown. He, had a, he had a touchdown. He's only had three touchdowns in his life, in his Bears career. Can't be in choosers, the game. Craig. Come on. It was four touchdowns <laughs> like, in his career. Right, <laughs> 43 yards and a touchdown. I think I could still be like, this guy doesn't look that good. <laughs> I'm just saying. Brent Strange think it's so had funny. 27 yards in a touchdown. You know, it's, it's not that hard. Brenton Strange, I was like watching it. I was like, wow, this Brenton Strange guy looks great. But you think he's related to Cole? We ever checked that? Nuga. I honestly, they probably are. Let me look. I don't think they are. I got to say, Michael Mayer Raiders looks great. All these tight end rookies are awesome. Yeah, we need we have a zombie section. We should just do like the zombie tight ends, like the Halloween resurrections, because Kyle Pitts resurrected with the touchdown. Uh, Michael Mayer, who had been irrelevant while Sam Laporta was breaking all these records. Michael Mayer looked out of control, incredible. And DK, I'd like to shout you out for the best comp you've ever made, which is Michael Mayer trying to like people trying to tackle Michael Mayer looks like the Lord of the Rings guy who blows up the castle at the end of Helm's Deep. Deep. Just like the Berserker, like running in with the bomb. Like that really is what Michael Mayer looks like. Legolas, bring him down. Bring him down, Legolas. (laughs) Legolas. Legolas. That's like, by the way, that's like the most frustrating, most frustrating moment in all of Lord of the Rings when Legolas misses for the only time. I know. (laughs) Come on, Legolas. Hit him in the head. That was Brock Purdy today. Brock Purdy today. All the Niners (laughs) fans were like, kill him. It's like fucking sliding on shields downstairs. He can't hit the berserker in the head. Come on. Anyway. It's like, dude, Brandon Ayuk's wide open. (laughs) Are there PFF grades for Lord of the Rings characters? <laughs> write, write that down. We might have to cut that out. That's a really good idea. Wow. I think Ruiz would have graded Legolas really poorly in that game for sure. <laughs> there should be a PFF. Oh my God. This is a great idea. There should be a PFF for like action stars. Like <laughs> yeah. this is such a Shea Serrano Dude, thing. But there's yes. like a full ranking and stats and like what they're best at. John Wick is like Mahomes. Who's the Herbert who like everyone like all the nerds love, but everyone's like, what a loser. The John Wick thing would be hard because he's like, he fights with pistols. It's like a very weird. Maybe John Wick's Herbert. (laughs) John Wick's Herbert? He might be. John Wick. The thing I love about the John Wick movies is he reloads. Like they actually, it's the only movie I've ever seen where they show the entire process of reloading. His reloading is like one of the most impressive parts of it because he's really doing it. My dad is a a former police officer. I was on the SWAT team and he says that John, like the Keanu's gun skills are like very accurate. He's actually legit. Um, I was going to say that I watched John Wick 4 and I, without doing spoilers, there's a scene Does where he someone? he's running up the stairs of the soccer cur in freaking Paris. And then he, <laughs> I, I don't want to give us spoilers, but whatever, just stop listening. If you, if you haven't seen it, he gets all the way to the top. It's like this 10 minute long fucking fight scene up the stairs. And then he gets kicked, kicked down the stairs again. And he has to like, start over. It's like, who, who's the, who's the parallel for this quarterback? I don't, I don't even know, but like. That was like, to me, I was like, oh, come on. 
I feel Just like, let him honestly, fucking finish this scene. I feel like it's Kyle Shanahan getting there, <laughs> like the lead in the third quarter of the Super Bowl, like kicked all then the way get, down the then stairs. His quarterback gets, gets all hurt. the way to the NFC Championship game, runs out of quarterbacks. You're like, God damn it! Just throw the guy. That scene was like almost like a bit for a second. I was 100%. like, he's gonna he's gonna roll down. It was like that scene in, in uh, Hot Rod where he's like just keeps falling down the hill. So funny. I'm like, wow, a, they're really the Tommy just- boy, dude. There's a yeah. scene in Family Guy, famously where uh, Peter falls down and just goes. He just like grips his knees, like, <sighs> oh yeah. Yes, there was there was like bits of that vibe in that scene. It's like something's funny for a while, and then it turns not funny. And then they it keeps going. Yeah. It's funny yeah. again. The third one, the third John Wick, where they just keep kicking him through the panes of glass like seven times. Oh my god. Anyway, what were we talking about? Michael Mayer. I don't know. He tight looks awesome. Or something. Yeah, no, tight ends Berserker from Helm's Schultz. Deep. Yeah, Dalton Schultz scored a touchdown. Anyway, yeah. What year is it? Remember the time the Giants <laughs> didn't run a play at the one yard line to kick a field goal, and then they got to do it again at the end of the second half. That was crazy. Anyway. <laughs> um, Speaking of favorite teams, DK, what are your Seahawks thoughts today? As they they had like 15 opportunities to win the game today, but their offensive line wouldn't let it happen. Oh, man. Yeah, that was a frustrating one. I feel like on one hand, I was really excited because the defense looked pretty good against a really good offense. And, you know, like, I don't know. I'm, just, I'm getting excited that the Seahawks might actually have some pieces to be pretty decent on defense. But, man... Their offensive line is super banged up. They had all these backups on the offensive line. They did get Charles Cross, their left tackle, back today, but they just, every time they had an opportunity to do anything in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, they just got sacked. Like, Geno Smith just got sacked so many times and had a couple of picks. Um, so it was a really ugly game. But, Heifetz, you called this um, on in our Friday show, I think. You called it, like, almost exactly. Like, the, the offensive line against that defensive line was just, like, a bad mismatch, especially in the second half. Seahawks just kind of like ran out of tricks to like get around that that deficiency. And yeah, the you know, credit to the Bengals for having a really good defense and kind of shutting down the Seahawks. I'm kind of working on a on a take that I wanted to run by you guys. And it it fully formed after this Seahawks game uh, because I had DK Metcalf and I was just like, God, Gino, just do anything. Like, and they just kept getting sacked over and over. And then this season's, you know, especially with Daniel Jones getting sacked a million times, you know, Sam Howell getting sacked a ton. I kind of think we should just not have a pass rush in football. I think it ruins the sport. I don't think there should be defensive linemen. You should just have to throw the ball in five seconds or less, four seconds or less, and that's it. Because I think the worst the worst part of football is when the offensive line or the quarterback is so bad that, that it's, it becomes unwatchable and it becomes uncompetitive. And I'm just like, fucking get rid of it. I don't need to see TJ Watts sack a guy. It's cool, but it ruins the game. Craig, I wrote an article about this like a couple of years ago at the Rigger. It was like basically like, do we want good like because you know like all the all the old heads every time there's like a defensive battle they come out of the woodwork they're like this is real football I'm like do people actually want that no we want the fucking Rams versus the Chiefs scoring 55 points lighting up the scoreboard I don't know to me like that's more fun like beautiful football to me is watching the Dolphins not watching some offense like completely like destroy some quarterback by the way this is absolutely like a completely biased take because we're fantasy heads but like yeah I mean honestly even from a football point of view it's really fun to watch off like awesome offense defense is just like man this is frustrating Craig's enjoying this take now and then like five seconds into the first game where Kenny Pickett has to play without the Steelers pass rush he's gonna be like what the fuck did I do 
I'm just like, it, it sucks when it's third and 10 and you're like, oh, wow, I hope Derek Carr is going to be able to convert and maybe make this game close and the line gets blown up and he just gets sacked. And you're like, this is not fun. No one's having fun here. Anytime there's a mismatch on the OL and the DL, it's like, that's the worst game <laughs> immediately. Like, it's that awful. game sucks. No one has fun. <laughs> Nobody likes that. So many takes. One, I, Craig, you have some of the best takes of anyone I know. This is your worst one. He's got DK, hot takes. No, you never it. are more online than when you say acronyms out loud. That's like I just I've never heard anyone you, you, say OL versus DL. I, you have like such what a weird fi- you have such a weird fixation on that. I said OL versus DL. Like who fucking I know, cares? I've never heard anyone say that. But um, I I used to say INTs and or INTs. Oh and yeah, you get really mad at me. That was called Heifetz. Just it's okay. Just let it go. I'm on Heifetz's side with the INT thing. Okay, that's what I was thinking of. I couldn't think of it. INTs. Call them INTs. People say OL. I don't I, I don't really hear people say OL, but it doesn't I've never me. heard that out loud other than okay. from you. I think you're wrong. But okay, continue. Okay. Paul? Look, it's a take. It's a hot take. It's not meant to be like the, point, the most rational take. But no, no, it's, but to your it's point, a hot take. I am not I, the sack rate in the NFL, this is not being discussed enough, is the highest it's been in 20 years. It's the highest in the true media database. So quarterbacks are being sacked more than ever. And that I think is interesting. Well, honestly, I actually think it's the other way around. Can I give my can I give you the flip side of my take? I actually think there's more quarterback sacks because the game is safer. I think that the body weight rule, which was horrific to live through the education defensive players learning how to tackle people without landing on them. And then like all these rules. And I actually think you see players pulling up instead of hitting guys over the middle all the time. And I think the aggregate is I actually think the net value of hitting quarterbacks is less painful or burdensome or whatever the toll is less per hit it because honestly i think it's really weird to me that outside of the expansion houston texans daniel like the giants have allowed the most sacks ever on record since stats became a stat and then washington's right there and to me it's not a coincidence it's like sam howell wouldn't have survived 29 sacks 15 years ago but i actually think the rules have made it safe enough for quarterbacks that they're just i don't know they they're making it. There are more sacks because 15 years ago, a quarterback would have been like, oh, my God, this fucking sucks. I got to throw the half. ball away. But now it's not as hard. Like the hits you're taking aren't as punishing. And I actually think that's why quarterbacks are holding on the ball longer in part. But that's that's not a counter to my take. You're just giving me an explanation as to why there are a lot of sacks. I'm saying it's it makes the game less entertaining to watch. Oh, that's fair. I guess I was trying to say your point about sacks. I was just trying to say that there are your eye test there are more sacks happening the lovers of defense are going to come after you craig people who love there's just nothing worse than a sunday night game you're excited (laughs) for the game and you you can tell within the first three minutes you're like this offensive line is going to ruin this the next three hours (laughs) dude this is why i was talking so rewind a couple weeks when russell wilson early on in the season everyone was like oh he's washed blah 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 he sucks and they're doing that again this this week by the way um I'm like, did you watch him at any point in time during like the 10 years he was with the Seahawks? 80, like 80 to 90% of those games was just the most unwatchable football imaginable. He's just getting sacked. He's like spinning around and like spending two hours back there and running around, throwing the ball away. It's like he would have really terrible games spiked by like three or four really awesome plays. And that was Russell Wilson in a nutshell. It's who he is still. It's who he is now. He just can't run around. Maybe like. One to two Mississippi, they have to count before they can rush. <laughs> Anything. The Mississippi rule. Yeah. 
Miles Garrett has to count to two Mississippi before he can rush. The game oh is better. Uh, Craig, they're going to hate it. Whatever. I like I stand it. Stand by it. Yeah. All right. Time for the burn book. Yeah. What did you guys got? I forgot to think of one. Well, last Craig, week you said you Damian Pierce, and then Damian Pierce had three points this week. So I kind of assumed you were going to say him again. <laughs> Let's just run it back again. Yeah. I'm done. He's another guy that has, there's a lot of, there's a disconnect between how awesome he is at football and how useful he is in fantasy. Cause I think he's a good runner. I just, I don't know. Like he has the least valuable role in the NFL or something. I'm okay with Pierce. I was going to nominate Jerry Judy, but I think oh, Pierce is solid. Judy. Steve he's Smith went off on awful. Judy, by the way. Did what was the that? deal with that? I, I kind of thought Smith was like, I thought that was kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. that, what did he say against Steve Smith? For people who don't know, what's the I think he was Steve mad. I think he was mad essentially that Jerry Judy like didn't want to take his advice. And then he got so upset about that that he like back like backfired on 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 air about like how lame and untalented Jerry Judy is. <laughs> he was like, I tried to give him advice, and Jerry Judy was like, I'm good. And now Steve Smith's like, fuck Jerry Judy. And Judy did that because Steve Smith called him a jag. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I kind of get where Judy's coming. Yeah, right. Didn't Steve Smith say, "Don't the Broncos shouldn't pay Jerry Judy? No one should sign Jerry He's Judy." He's like, if anyone contract? asks me if they should sign Judy, I'm going to tell him no. I think he did have some funny. He, Steve Smith said, "Like he's going to have like, oh, he like you know, whatever." He predicted one that he was catch. Like, he'll have his three catches for 26 yards as he always does, and he literally had three catches for 14 yards. <laughs> uh. We're not saying Steve Smith is wrong. We're just should saying we, it was Should we a ask petty. Steve Smith who he wants to burn this week? We should call it just the it Steve Smith the burn Steve book. Smith burn book is Judy for sure. I skills to Jerry Judy. I honestly though Judy? that's a good one because like I'm like I'm like I don't want to start him ever again. I don't want to do that. I don't want to experience that. He's a bench player now in fantasy like through and through. One of my friends, I when my friends, I'm assuming you guys your friends text you too, but like, oh, what should I do? And I'm always like, who's on waivers? Let me check. And someone's like, Jerry Judy. Like, and I was like, oh my God, add him. And then I'm like, yeah, I get it now. <laughs> like three weeks ago. It's like, uh, not for right, me. Yeah. Jerry Judy. Yeah. No. Jerry Judy and his son. All right. Jerry Judy, you're in the burn book. All right. So he joins. Tough week uh, for Judy, man. Yeah. He joins, um, who do we been slash? Uh, Ramondre Stevenson, Dallas Goddard, Najee Harris, Calpitz, and Drake London. Wow. We burned Ramondre. Yeah, he had two points last week. At least he was better this week. That's all we got. We got our waivers episode coming for you on Monday. Who to add, who to, who to trivia, all the stuff. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you, Carlos, for producing this episode. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Thank you, Mark Morrison. Nope. Return of the Mac. Oh, once again. I oh. panicked briefly that Jim Morrison had like a brother that I had no <laughs> Panic. You have no idea. Mm, I don't think so. That's how Tyrod Taylor must have felt when he handed the ball off. Wow, I had no idea that that song oh, was sung he... by Ma Mark Morrison. Wait, he's he's the Mac? Yeah, well, it's Mark Morrison, not Mac. <laughs> yeah, but he's, he's the self-styled Mac in the song, is what the question was. He's Mac. <laughs> Return of the Mac. Wait. I thought Return of the Mac, like I just, Return of the Mark. Have we been saying it wrong this whole time? It's Return of the Mark. Oh, it's just the British <laughs> thing. It's because it's just his name. It's not. It's the, the R is soft, right? That's so funny. <laughs>
I know that's not actually it. That's but not, yeah. Are we sure, though? So this is like Michael Scott trying to figure out <laughs> lyrics. You know what's funny? Looking up this song, it says the song's beat is sampled from Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club. What? Stop it. No, it's not. Yeah. Oh, my God, it is. <gasps> what? Return of... No way. I can't picture wow. that. That's interesting. Interesting. Now we need, we need to work Return of the Mac into fantasy football parlance. Return of the Sack? What are we going to do? Return of the Mac Jones? There's something. We got to find a Return of the Mac pun here to work into our shows. I'm just trying to figure out where the sample's coming from. Is it just like the main beat is sampled? It, it kind of sounds what we get genius of lovey. <laughs> Craig's just rocking out. Maybe we'll get sued. I don't know. I don't know. We get sued by Mark I don't think we'll get sued. They're not going to sue us. Come on. <laughs> what are you going to do? Sue me? What are you going to do? Sue me? Plus, we have the worst fucking attorneys. You know? <laughs> Saying sue me is like one of the funniest things you can say, I think. Like to, to this day, it's been it's been like it's been gold for probably well over 40 years at this point saying sue me when someone's mad at you. You know, what would be a great <laughs> trivia question? So is when, when was the first time anybody was was like legally officially sued? What year? <laughs> when was the first time? Oh, it had to be like ancient times, dude. It's been around forever. People are litigious. They used to say sue for peace when they were having like a war. Does that count? Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> Thanks, Craig. <laughs> Are you even listening to me? Do horses have socks? <laughs> I'm Googling when was the first lawsuit. <laughs> you guys don't even listen to my questions anymore. First class action lawsuit, 1820, or that's when they were invented. Oh, it's way before that. It's in Roman times for sure, at the very least. Probably way before it all that. all comes back to the Romans. All right. Goodbye, everyone.